0: Good morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today on the Sunday morning. So we get in the word of God and it's going to be very practical today because yesterday, uh, if you're on the live stream here, you know this, but if you're watching later on, yesterday was big rivalry football Saturday in college football. And our team, the team I like to back, the team that I follow, was in a really, really, really big game and we lost again how do you deal with loss? Some people are devastated. I remember when I was just in sixth grade, our team, my Ohio State Buckeyes, shall we say, lost a basketball game to North Carolina. I went in my room afterwards. We were crushed, and I was crushed. I went in my room, and I cried, and I cried. I probably cried for an hour or longer. And my parents could not console me. I was so upset, so crushed, so devastated by that loss. I only came out, I came out with the determination. The only way I would stop crying, I went downstairs, I dribbled my basketball, and I said, someday I'm going to plan a team that beats North Carolina. And indeed, here I am all these years later, and I still carry some wounds from that game, although God has given me great friends in North Carolina. How do you deal with this? My friends, this is a serious subject. There's a lot of people who are crushed, a lot of people who are really disappointed because their team lost a big game yesterday. And so I want to give you a couple hints about how I've learned to deal with this over the years because I am competitive and I like sports. And so here's some things to do and don't. Here's one thing not to say it's only a game. It's only a game. This is a common thing that you know parents try and say to kids. It's only a game, but the truth is, a lot is riding on some of these games. In our particular game, I'm talking about here yesterday, there are tens of millions of dollars at stake in these programs. Coaches are paid millions of dollars. Players nowadays can be played paid hundreds of thousands or a million dollars. They work. They work for years and years to win a game like this to perform on a stage like this. And whole schools get behind it. And no doubt, our school, when we win national championships, and that's our goal each year, they bring in millions and millions of dollars in donations. And so, if we want to say it's only a game, we kind of minimize the reality. We show that we don't really understand a lot's riding on these things. Careers are riding on these things. Donations to the university are riding on these things. People's futures are riding on these things. And sometimes the whole joy of a city is riding on these things. I remember in our city, our particular city, back when only one team from the conference would go to the, to the bowl game afterwards at the end of the season, I remember our whole city could be gray skies and disappointed for weeks and weeks and weeks after a loss to our in our last game, our rivalry game. Don't say it's only a game. That kind of says you don't understand how much is riding on this for so many people. However, I do want to say this. For some people, it's too much more than a game. Years ago, I remember really learning this lesson. It was actually with this team, and we were playing UCLA in 1977, and we had an amazing comeback victory in the whole city. I remember, we were living right a block from the stadium. And the whole city went wild when we had this comeback victory. The next year, 1978, we played UCLA, and they beat us badly. And I remember being depressed afterwards. And God gave me a verse way back in 1978 about sports. It's a little bit out of context, but it's found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. He says this, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You see, I had been enslaved to competitiveness. I valued sports, and I think sports should be valued. I valued them, but I got my self-worth out of them. I got my identity out of them. Winning meant everything. Losing was Winning made me feel good. Losing made me feel terrible. My identity and value... Was tied up in whether or not we won the game, and Paul's here. He's writing about he's writing the, to these Galatians about going under the law, but God spoke to me on this personally about going back under weak and element, the the things of the world, getting my value, my sense of my self, sense of self esteem, out of out of the weak and well worthless elemental things of this world, rather than from Christ rather than from Christ. And I realized that in my life, my joy was becoming a, it was up and down based on a football team, based on a basketball team, based on, it had been based earlier on my performance on a team, and now it's being based on the performance of other people. And God just really challenged me in this. Don't go back to what I had been and Christ set me free, my friends, Christ has set us free from letting our lives be yanked around by other circumstances in life, circumstances over which we have zero control. Oh, I know, I know that maybe you're like me and you think our team will win if you wear your good luck shirt or your your fan jersey or whatever. And, uh, and I joke about that, that I'm convinced my team wins when I wear the right jersey. Well, yesterday I had the, evidently had the wrong jersey on. But anyway, to allow ourselves, and I might encourage you, my friend, be careful about allowing circumstances over which you have no control whatsoever to determine your joy or sadness. Be careful about that. There's some things you can control, and I'd say keep control of those things. Don't hand them over carefully, which leads to this next point. Choose carefully who you allow to be the source of your happiness. Choose carefully over who you allow to be the source of your happiness. I I realized a number of years ago, you know, I'm in college ministry, and these college football players, and I I do really, really enjoy college football, it's, I, I love the the traditions, I love the bands, I love the the spirit, the atmosphere. I love that you've got new players every year, and yet there's something people are, have excitement about their team anyway, uh, even the even with the new players and the traditions and the years. And I, I just really enjoy it so much. And yet I'm involved in campus ministry. And these guys who are playing out there, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 year old players. And I work with a lot of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men, and I realize that so many things in their life can affect them emotionally, their girlfriend, their grades, their parents, their circumstances. They're still developing. They're not. Many of them are far from mature uh, uh, human beings. They're still young people, and they can be emotionally up and down, and they can have a bad game. And they can get discouraged, and they can, they, they, it's amazing how the, some of them can perform in front of audiences of tens of thousands live and maybe millions on TV, and yet still keep their composure after their mistakes and so on. They're still just a bunch of young men. I'm going to say this. Be careful who you allow to be the source of your happiness. Is it someone you don't even know? Is it someone that, that you, you, you allow to determine how happy you're going to be? You don't know anything about their life. You don't know anything about them other than they can play a sport. You know, in life, I'd like to say, don't let anyone control your happiness. You'd be in control of that. You, you determine that, that your response in life, your joy or lack thereof, is going to be based on you and your relationship, your response to uh, circumstances and your relationship with God, rather than being jerked around by someone that you don't even know and have never even met. Maybe you've seen him play in a uniform. Maybe maybe you wouldn't even recognize him if you saw him, uh, past him on the street. Be careful who you allow to have such power in your lives, such control of your lives. Be careful about that. Uh, I'm not saying don't be a fan. I'm not saying don't root. I'm not saying don't have fun. Don't enjoy the game. I do those things. But when it's all said and done, I'm not going to give these young men or this team the power to control my feelings. I want to rise above that. I want to say that mine are based on my relationship with God, which leads to my final point today. Watch out for idolatry. There is no doubt that sports has become an idol in our culture today. We have many idols. People who forsake the Lord, if not in, in, in reality, if not even in word, but who forsake the Lord, they've got to replace that with something, if you don't worship God, if you don't make God supreme in your life, you've got to replace it with something else. Now, a lot of people have replaced that with sports. In our day and in our culture, it's very easy to do. It's exciting. These are warriors. You know, football guys. They're 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 big. They're strong. They're athletic. You might wish you could be like them. You might picture yourself on the field. I could pass like that. I could run like that. I could do that. Uh, they're, they're people we look up to and, and cheer for and get excited about, but be careful they don't become an idol. An idol is whatever I look to do, look to, uh, whatever I look to, to do what only God was intended to do in my life. Whatever I look to, who is my almighty? Who is my source of joy? Who is the one that I, I, I get my self esteem from? You're meant to get that from God, you're meant to get that from your relationship with the Lord. There's a lot of people who don't have a relationship with the Lord, and they need to find their sense of of self-esteem and value and excitement and enthusiasm in life, they need to find it somewhere else. Some people find it in sports. Some people find it in pleasure. Some people find it in money. Some people find it in another religion. Some people find it in in any number of things. Uh, Whatever it is, we are surrounded by people who are finding it in sports. Make sure you don't. Enjoy sports, yes. Root for your team, yes. Wear your colors, yes. Have fun, yes. Go to the game, yes. But be careful that you don't allow it to become the dominant thing in your heart so that if your team loses, you're devastated. And if that happens, let that be a little bit of a warning signal. Maybe this is meaning a little bit too much. Maybe you've gone back and become enslaved once again to something that God set you free from and gave you the, the power to rise above in your life, to rise above the things of this world, and to walk in that steady strength of relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wants for you and for me. Shall we pray about it? Father in heaven, we do come to you today, and we thank you for our relationship with you. And we want it to always be supreme. And we want to always fix our hope on what will come to us one day in eternity. And we want to live our lives, Lord, realizing that we're walking with God, that the Almighty is our Father, that you watch over us, you're our shepherd. We confess, Lord, we live in a culture where so many people around us don't have that type relationship. And so they look elsewhere to find meaning and significance and value and enthusiasm and purpose and lord sometimes they find it in sports and i want to thank you lord for sports i want to thank you for how you use them in my own life and you've used them in life of my kids and grandkids i want to thank you for how you use sports as a as a good thing but i pray father for all of us for none of us would it become an idol would we let it creep into a place that it replaces you that that after we've come to know you or to be known by you, that we would allow sports to sink to to, to uh, recapture our heart above the knowledge of God. And I pray, Father, that every one of us here, we would be careful who we allow to be the source of our joy. Lord, we have loved ones that we know and we care and we influence and we do care about them. And I pray that their how they're doing would mean something to us. But Lord, strangers that we don't know anything about them and, and they're, they're, they're far removed from our lives. Help us, Father, not to give them the power over our emotions and over our soul to fill us with either joy or disappointment. We pray these things, and we give you this day, and we walk with you, and we thank you that we can rise above. Thank you, Father, that we have a relationship with you. There's nothing like that. We ask you to fill us with your joy, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, as you can tell, like I said, our team lost our big game again yesterday. Was it disappointing? Of course. Was it devastating? For a lot of people, yes. For me, I'm not going to let it devastate me. I'm going to go on with life. There's other things. It's not that it's not important. It's not that it's just a game, but there's a lot of things a whole lot more important. Keep perspective in life. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me. If you're new, welcome. I hope you'll subscribe to the channel and come here every day because we come here live every day, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time in the morning to talk about the Word and allow it to affect our lives and be practical in obedience. This is a channel not just knowing the Word but obeying the Word. That's what we're about. We want to put it into practice and do what it says. So there's an emphasis here on, on, on how do we apply the Word. I hope you'll join us every day. Fit it in your schedule. Make it a part of your day it'll make a difference in your life. I love you guys. God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.